Welcome to What the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds in under 30 non-Seraphon-related previews. I'm your co-host, Davey, and with me is Phil. How are you doing, Phil? Hey, I'm uh, doing pretty good, although missing... I'm I'm like jonesing for more more reveals about the I lizards. know. <laughs> yeah. Where's my chameleon? <laughs> yeah. That uh, that kind of leads us into our context. Most recently, we got uh, some more preview about Headcracker's mod. We got to to see the uh, fighter card for Headcracker himself and some of the mechanics, and we may riff on that. But yeah, it's it's a it's a weird season uh, so far with those with the previews are coming out. You know, we're we're getting one warband at a time for some of it. We'll eventually get two. It's hard to tell when they're arriving. You know, we've known about Seraphon for quite a while now, and it's just been radio silence they must be flying around in their giant stone spaceship or whatever (laughs) yeah 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 i mean drip feed at this point would be a generous term for how they're (laughs) (laughs) teasing stuff for us but uh yeah i don't know i i mean i guess it must be at least partially due to all the upheaval of shipping from both covid and brexit but Hopefully they can get it straightened out. That's all I hope. <laughs> I bet it's logistically difficult in the best of times to kind of coordinate the timing, uh, right. and then made all more challenging with uh, what what everyone's going through. But um, we today are going to talk about the universals that came with the Ravagers set. Uh, something we kind of mentioned last time when we covered the Ravagers themselves, uh, and it's going to be a little bit more, you know, just because there's not as much there uh we'll go a little more card by card than we have in the past or you know kind of cover cover them a little more completely but just uh take some time and if we if we uh derail into speculation well we got some time to do that too so uh i think that's (laughs) (laughs) that's where we're headed but we just wanted to kind of get some out and chat and hopefully we'll have something uh um, more exciting to talk about soon uh although i have been enjoying uh i it's interesting uh it's always fun to to have new universals come in and see see what they do. Like that's always kind of an exciting time. So now I've had some time to kind of work with them. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, we, let's uh, let's talk about what uh, what any community shoutouts that we got here. Is there? Uh, I've got a few here. Do you got anything that you want to ping? Um, I mean, nothing super specific. I have been busy with work and haven't had a chance to look at a whole lot but i've seen that there's been plenty of people releasing different things and um blogs and podcasts are keeping stuff going and uh so always fun to see new stuff drop even if i don't have time to actually take a look or listen <laughs> sure How about uh, you? for me there were there were a couple things that were new to me um i knew there was a, a blog out there called set the tempo but i hadn't taken the time to go uh, take a look at it and uh i i did it i think that um the author of that is is matt and uh in particular he had an article about why he considered um lady harrow's uh to be uh so particularly good so it kind of did a breakdown of mournflight uh you know kind of in context of of the current meta but also like taking a look like why why are they kind of good what, what things set them up to sort of potentially be good long-term. And I thought it was a really good analysis and I really enjoyed sure. reading it. It was concise. It was really fun. Uh, and so if you like me are always looking for more content, I think that's well worth your time to go check out. Um, the other one new to me is uh, there's 
some Tabletop Sydney is a YouTube channel. And these guys are putting out a ton of battle reports. Uh, like the, the frequency of their content coming out is, is pretty remarkable. I'm, I still have two to watch. It's kind of my, my dishwashing uh, viewing at this point. So uh, I'll, I'll either nice. when I'm making dinner or washing dishes, I'll, I'll put one of those on and watch. And they have kind of a cool format where, for one, they're able to play in person, which jealous. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. for two... <laughs> They'll have, they have a rotating, I think I've seen as many as four different players there. So that's kind of fun to see them rotate through. And then okay. there's a commentator behind the camera who's, who's kind of providing a little bit of, a little bit of color commentary and then, you know, helping here and there with a rule or, or something like that. And, uh, I found them really entertaining to watch. And I, I think they've done a great job. Um, uh, so if you haven't and you're craving battle reports, go check that out. Awesome. And then finally, uh, I guess that's one, one blog, one video. And then here's, here's one from the podcast. Uh, Chatting crit is back with another episode. They're talking about all, uh, about whether the, the big boys, uh, Molog and Hrothkorn specifically, uh, but you know, with some more general terms like hypothetical big boys in future, uh, are they good for the game? And the, the format of this show is that they will make some statement and then they draw random lots to see who's got to be pro or con. So it's kind of like a underworld's debate club, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then they bring on a guest. Uh, and this one was Benny Monahan, who is uh, super awesome, super accomplished, super knowledgeable. I just, I really enjoyed the episode start to finish. I really like the format and I'm jealous that they came up with it and we did not. <laughs> um, so uh, I, yeah, I'm, I would say of, of I, I like all the podcasts out there, but I'm most excited when I see a chatting crit drop um, to to check that out. So yeah, go scope it. The, the format really, I think, is something unique. I've listened to all the other episodes. I really do like chatting crit as well. It's a, a good good way to approach like thinking about the game in a different way and like taking a controversial point and then saying like, here's the pros, here's the cons. Like, is it really? You know, you often see a lot of stuff sort of stated as if it were a monolith and just saying, this is this, this is how it is. And it's like, well, is it really mm -hmm. how it is? Let's talk about it. And then they do, yeah. which is great. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's great top to bottom. So if you haven't taken the time, then consider your life choices <laughs> and then go take the time and listen to it. So um that's what's going on in the community how about what's going on what the heck is going on with you phil uh well impatiently i am waiting for my starblood stalkers um <laughs> i so at this point it's frustrating because when when we had the release cycle come out you know they were second in the line so i was like well they're only a couple months out i'm basically just going to wait to get too invested in anything until they come out, because once they're out, that's what I'm going to be playing, at least for a while. Mm -hmm. And then they got yep. delayed. And so I was like, OK, well, it's one more month. That's fine. And then <laughs> I don't know, it just it just keeps getting stretched out. And so I just keep waiting and <laughs> uh, wanting to start knowing what they're all going to do so I can start planning. But we have yet to see a whole lot of previews. But, um, you know, that's that's fine. <laughs> Uh, been really busy with work anyway, so it's probably for the best that I'm not thinking too much about building decks sure. and <laughs> trying to get games in when I should be putting in extra <laughs> hours. 
trying trying to build a Seraphon decks without having the actual Seraphon in hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what might they be? What universals yeah, might I use? Yeah. Uh, what's what's going on with you, Davey? Uh, well, I have been playing some Rippas in an Alliance League and drawing some brutal competition, but yeah. uh, that's been that's been fun. I, I'm I'm due for another round here. My actually, this this next round is a mirror match: Rippas versus Ooh. Rippas. So, yowza. Uh, I think a lot's going to swing around who drew narrow escape or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, or there's, can, there's some real powerful Rippas cards. Who can roll those wolf bite attacks? Who's got those hammers? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hot. Right. <laughs> Who, who has the most uh who has the most interruptions of the uh of the after action or uh activation sequence you know, sure. so, uh play into this so but yeah uh so looking looking well <laughs> kind of looking forward to it. i i have not played very many mirror matches at all in my time i think most recently i played uh victor who's one of the uh weedy box rejects with the uh the uh bills duncan and dean bills brothers uh mm-hmm. when you and i went down for our last in-person event i think uh that we traveled for yeah uh, i got to play a thunderix mirror match with him and he, he oh, took man. Time. So, <laughs> a lot of a lot of lead flying uh, it was a while ago i know rough blast from the past um then <laughs> other than that i've actually been enjoying just kind of tinkering making decks with some things that seem off meta so i was working on some despoilers and uh came up with a chosen axes deck that i think looks kind of fun and uh also got some paint on some figures cool. i uh my i have uh tefk uh is just about done now i'd i'd gotten to a certain point i was trying this kind of like frozen uh frozen dwarf thing where they had ice axes and gray skin and blue uh, all sort of thing but it ended up so monochrome yeah it was one of those things where you I, this happens to me frequently where i get a figure to a, a particular stage i'm like this looks bad i'm not good at painting I'm a bad person. <laughs> like, wh- why, why did I like, how did this go so wrong? And then, uh, I was looking at, I was like, it just needs a little more contrast. So I, I switched it to a, a, a kind of glowing ember ax sort of thing. And it was just the contrast it needed to pop. And so it's not mm-hmm. like going to set the, the painting world on fire, but I, I, my confidence has been restored enough to finish the war band. So I'm pretty excited uh, to do that. I was going to play a webcam game with my brother earlier oh. today. That, that kind of got scrubbed, but I was excited to try to, run run some move two people around the board yeah yeah with no other way of being moved <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. the slowest war band in the game <laughs> move two range one for the win um so uh, yeah yeah um that's that's been that but uh what do you think should we cool. uh, crack into the the main topic here let's do it let's All talk right. about some new universals you want to start with objectives? Yeah, sounds good. Let's do that. All right. Yeah. So um, just a base overview. As usual, we get 10 of each of the different types of cards. And so we've got 10 new objectives, 10, 10 upgrades, 10 gambits. And uh, so I decided since we're breaking down in a little more detail than normal, because we've got a bit of a slower cycle here uh some stats about these objectives so you've got an even split of surges and end phase cards which i thought was interesting um Mm. four of them overall are hybrids so if you want to try and go for the uh the hybrid play they added a decent number for that and only one dual so it's still a little harder to do that 
Um, all of the surges are for only one glory. So they're keeping that pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. And most of the end phase cards are for two glory. So I think they're trying to, or at least it kind of feels like they might be trying to balance uh, some some of the glory from surges versus end phase and trying to be more rewarding for taking end phase sure. cards. That's a good point. Uh, and anytime you, so we, we don't see any uh, surges for two glory. Anytime you see one of those, your antenna should be going up. Uh, you know, that's, that's where you yeah. start to enter the, the chance for something to be busted. Uh, so <laughs> there's, there's certainly some good stuff in here, but, uh, they're, they're keeping it. That's kind of where you, you know, where your baseline I think should be is the, the surges are lower scoring than your end phase. So. Yeah, for sure. And, and I was glad to see that. I mean, we've, we have historically had a few you know, surges for more than one glory, but it's been few and far between. And the ones that are good tend to be restricted. And then the things that are more situational tend not to get taken that much because they're hard to score, which I think is a good balance. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Well, how about the objectives themselves? Are there any that uh, particularly caught your eye? So one that I... really sort of latched onto right away was underdog. Mm -hmm. Um, This kind of is a uh, replacement in some ways for our, uh, Oh, what was it called? Where catching up. Yeah. Catching up. Um, It's a bit of a catching up sort of replacement where, or even a martyred, I guess in some ways where you're, you're almost taking the card with the intent that like you're probably only scoring this in situations where things maybe aren't going your way Mm -hmm. but uh so this is a a hybrid end phase um where you score it if an opponent has the primacy token or your opponent has scored three or more objectives cards more than you have but it doesn't say in that phase or in that round so you could in theory have just had a bad round and then come into your better hand in the next round and then end up still scoring underdog. Um, and, and this is for two glory. Ah, So, um, yeah, I think, I think the thing that jumped out to me at first was just that it helps protect against primacy because your opponent, if they have it, you know, they do get that glory for it, but then you can get two glory. So it just sort of pulls Mm, you back even. But the other the other part of it, I think, maybe is just another way to score some some glory without having to really do a whole lot, which I don't know. I like having those sort of rubber band kind of cards where it's like, yeah, I know I'm behind, but I can mm-hmm. I can spring back in. How about you? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think what I like is about those. They, they feel like they maybe level things out a little bit or uh, that's not what I'm going for. Maybe smooth out the, they have the potential to smooth out the, the curve of your deck where they like you, mm-hmm. like you say, they give you a chance uh, if you fall behind to kind of keep pace. Um, so it's not, it's by no means a win more card, right? Like it's kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. Like uh, lose less maybe. Um, uh, <laughs> but that, that, that implies that, you know, you will lose anyway. Um, so, I think that's cool, and I I like that the it does a couple things. You can manipulate it by uh, making the if the other person is going first, uh, which often you're trying to make them do in that first round, uh, then they'll score their objectives first. So it may be if they had a surge and then scored two end phase, 
and you're about to score some stuff, well, you, you could break that one in, um, before anything. And then also like, like you said, if, uh, if you have kind of a slow first round, usually it can be a real, a real backbreaker. If you have a slow first round and then they get first activation in the second round, well, this gives you a better chance at, at, uh, keeping pace in that. So, um, I, I like where that sits. Uh, and I like that it, uh, works with primacy in a, in a way that, uh, is less common than some of the others. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess since we're on the topic, like, do you, how have you liked how the objectives are interacting with primacy so far? Like, um, it, I'm, I'm a mixed bag. I, it feels like there's, there's several hybrids that are, that say like, uh, you earn this if you have primacy or this other thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, I guess that feels a little, maybe almost a little easy. Like it, there's, I'd like to see other, other ways like, uh, you know, have a surge for if you get primacy and it is your, uh, first or second activation of the round or something like that, where it kind of pushes you, uh, to take some risks earlier or something like that. I, I think sometimes I yeah. feel like it's a little bit, uh, just, just do what you're going to do anyway. Um, and those are, those become very popular or very attractive because anytime you have objectives that are like, Hey, uh, did you play the game how you want to play it anyway? Okay. Then you score. Then those are, those are pretty tasty. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, that's sort of how I've been feeling so far is that almost all of them feel like they're very aggro centric and they're very much like, Hey, you've got a guy who just runs around and hits stuff really hard. Well, here's some stuff that you can score for free because you're going to do that anyway. Mm. And well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's like, it almost feels like everything is kind of (laughs) like all the cards are falling just right for aggro right now. (laughs) Um, Mm. So I don't know. I, I think it'll be interesting to see how and I, if or how yeah. that changes i and i think the other piece of this is that so in beast grave uh there are hunter and quarry cards or objectives that scored for hunter or quarry uh mm-hmm. but the thing was the hunter quarry mechanic was uh only innately attached to some of the war bands uh and right. it was difficult to it's, it's become much easier so i think we're seeing more of it uh primacy on the other hand well, until we see Headcracker is not innately attached to anybody, but it is, you don't have to have a characteristic on your card. You can, if you have uh, a particular set of stat lines that support it, then you can get access to it. And it's, so it feels like it's really taken off much, much faster than uh, almost any other mechanic I can think of. Even, even magic right out of the box was, was kind of not sure if this is a thing or not. Um, it took a couple expansions before yeah. there, before it really started to accelerate to the point where it needed to be nerfed. Uh, Primacy, we've got the core box and one one expansion, and all of a sudden it's you know it's everywhere. Um, which I don't feel <laughs> like it's it's yeah yeah I, I don't I don't necessarily feel like there's too much of it now. What I'm what I'm concerned about is that we still have five more warbands worth of uh, universals and. So that's a lot more room to grow. I don't know how much of the design space they've taken up. Uh, and you can see the flip of that on, on something like hunger where there's more of it now. It's still, it's still not yet a thing. Um, 
as far as I can, as yeah. far as I can tell. So I would agree with that. When we get into the gambits, uh, there'll be some more, some more primacy talk, which I, I will think is maybe a little more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Some of this. We can circle back. Sure. So did you have any objectives that you were really interested in or that jumped out at you as being interesting? Sure. Uh, I think for me, uh, I, I kind of liked unafraid, uh, is a, uh, you will score two in the end phase. If each surviving friendly fighters within two hexes of one or more enemy fighters, this is one of those that's mm-hmm. kind of cool because it's, uh, it benefits certain war bands. So like hordes are going to have a hard time with it. Aggro likes it provided you're willing to kind of push forward or expect the other person to push towards you. It feels like very much like a, uh, uh, alone in the dark to me where you that was a, a season one that was nobody standing mm-hmm. next to anybody mm-hmm. else where you have this little mini game of okay like i'm going to do all these things but also i kind of want to finish on this particular end state of how people are positioned on the board and the other person's got to be thinking about that as well uh, which i i think is i like that dynamic i like the mini game that it creates um and i also like that it uh it has kind of an inherent scaling where the later it gets in the game, kind of the easier it is potentially to score. Um, so if you're down to one fighter, just get that one fighter positioned well. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and it is, uh, it's kind of an aggro, yeah. it's an aggro objective that, uh, that does not require you to be hunter, which are uh, hunter or primacy doesn't have to be involved. And so those are, those are relatively rare um, comparatively. That's definitely a good call. Um, and I really like the the comparison to Alone in the Darkness. I hadn't really thought about it, but it's like, it's almost like they they knew that Alone in the Darkness was a good idea, but the execution wasn't quite there because it was very easy to score passively. And like, you'd have situations where people just were like, well, I'll just play chess now and like move my guys around the board and then score stuff and never have to like make attacks or worry about you know, anything other than positioning, which is, I think, mm-hmm. fine. But I know a lot of people had a problem with that. And now that's sort of like, well, let's mm-hmm. flip that where it's still positioning and it's still for the same glory. But now you you have to be close to your opponent. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it seems like this is probably something they've been trying to work out and figure out how to make work for a while because they've always had some of these where it's like, have a fighter who's adjacent to three other enemy fighters and like some of these weird conditions where it's an end phase, but you have to be putting yourself in this super dangerous situation. And then the reward was usually one glory, which was <laughs> it just wasn't quite fine tuned <laughs> enough. But I think, I think this one, they, right. they maybe have sort of found a nice balance and, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're right. I think it's definitely going to be an aggro tool where people are just going to, be like, yep, I'll push all my guys forward. And now we're close enough to score this. Um, what else? What else caught your attention? Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, <laughs> this maybe goes a little bit back to some of the stuff that um, we were talking about already with primacy. But uh, I thought unassailable was a nice uh, aggro one. Um, this is another end phase card. Uh, this is a hybrid where you score it in the end phase if your leader is the only surviving leader or 
you have the primacy token. So of course it does have that primacy thing in it where, you know, it kind of just is like, Hey, you already had primacy. Well, here's another glory because you already got the glory for primacy. But I kind of like, again, that it's aggro that's not specific to hunters and like, it's just pretty generic aggro. That's fairly easy to do at some point in the game. Make sure that your opponent's leader is dead. Like that's, it's always a good thing to just have a nice uh, trigger in there. And but it's not it's not assassinate. You don't have to kill them to in the round to score it. They just have to be dead. So, um, yeah, one glory. And you have not, to keep your own your own alive. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, I think it helps balance it a little bit, because otherwise you could just get to the third end phase and just be like, well, I guess I'll score this. <laughs> sure. Everybody's dead, but that's OK. Um but yeah, I like I like just giving another tool that's not it's not too easy, but it's also um, it's also generic enough that lots of different groups can use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one that I have um, I've not included in a deck yet. Uh, Rested dominance. This is a surge hybrid. Uh, so mm. you score one. It's a your your first option is score immediately after you gain primacy token from an opponent uh, or an activation yeah. if your warband holds an objective that another warband held at the start of the round. What I like is that neither side of that on its own is particularly like you you probably if it wasn't a hybrid then it would be pretty rough uh, either one of those but combined it's it's a card that makes me think a little bit harder about it and if you if you had some sort of deck that cared about primacy, but also was, was doing, you know, so so maybe it's like a, a path to victory sort of uh, deck where you're, you're looking for kills and holding a, a few objectives. Then uh, I really, I really like the space that this kind of objective uh, sits in, which is here's two things that each on their own are a little bit tricky to do, but when you have the option to get it either way, then uh, that's a pretty fun card to work around with. That, that is, this feels like what a hybrid should be. Uh, some hybrids really have one side of it that you almost always will get uh, get it in one particular way. Yeah. This feels like uh, both are maybe maybe in the same realm of of uh, doable. Yeah, I would. Yeah, for sure. And it interacts with uh, primacy in a atypical way, like a way that we haven't seen as much. Yeah, and it's cool that it's like when you can get it from your opponent. So it's not even like. Hey, I'm aggro and I'm just going to go grab, you know, primacy on the first attack of a round by smashing some dangle bro. Uh, it, you actually have to have had your opponent get it first. And so I think that's nice. I think it it'll be. I don't know if it necessarily will lend itself better to flex or if it'll lend itself better to control, but I like that there's at least the option there for either way. Um, and we can see some of that play style maybe coming back uh, if we keep getting cards like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you wanted to talk about with the uh, objectives? I think the only other one that I thought seemed interesting was just another aggro one, Pitiable Death. Uh, so also a hybrid where you can score immediately with a fighter's attack action that takes an enemy fighter out of action if they had a hunger counter or they were on a starting hex. So I think this 
right now is probably not going to get a lot of play unless you're playing very aggressive and you're just planning on going and getting kills right away. Um, mm-hmm. But but I do like seeing that there's going to be some glory reward for doing stuff with hunger counters and and maybe then also this kind of a balance where it's like, yeah, maybe you'll get something for having counters on, but then I can score glory for killing you for having those counters as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I'm hoping that with the vampires we see something with hunger i mean at this point right like we just don't have even enough going on with it in the cards to understand what like even what the trajectory really of the hunger mechanic is gonna be other than right hey play some cards and get some counters like i don't know (laughs) yeah um yeah i think this is a good example of an objective that right now a hybrid objective that right now fits the the category of one that is almost always going to be scored one way. The other is kind of on there just to turn it into a hybrid, like the hunger counter side of it. And, and the, the kill somebody on a starting hex side is interesting. It feels a little bit hard to control. Uh, and so it's come into a couple decks and then been cut for something else for, for me. Uh, but I think again, like it's something to keep an eye on if hunger starts to be a thing, uh, then, then all of a sudden it gets a little more interesting. Particularly if it gets to be a way where you can, I know there's already some things out there where you can put hunger counters on other people or uh, manipulate them. Uh, yeah. And so if if uh, if that side of thing bulks out a little bit more, then then take another look at it. And if that is the case, then all of a sudden it's the kind of hybrid that I quite like, where uh, where neither side is particularly easy, but when you have the option of both, it's it's uh, fun. Um, for sure unless you got any other thoughts let's uh let's kick on to gambits yeah let's do it i think i mean we talked about a good number of the objectives but i think i think those are the standouts in my opinion any uh initial thoughts for the gambits yeah i think you marked this one down but i'm going to snatch it away from you uh, because it was it was something i was talking about a little bit the feign strength and feign weakness cards Uh, yeah these are these are cards that manipulate the primacy token and they do it in in cool ways, in my opinion. So feign strength is gain the primacy token. Uh, you just get it. But then if you have the end at, at the end of the action phase, you discard it. Uh, it has a weird line that says this effect persists until the end of the round. So I'm not sure if yeah. if this is a thing where if like if persisting gambits are eliminated, do you all of a sudden lose the primacy token? Maybe. Um, and then feign weakness is you have to already have it. You give it to the other player and then you get a spent glory point. So it's, uh, well, I've mm-hmm. talked in the past mm-hmm. that, uh, there's debate about whether a single card is worth one glory. Um, that's, that's kind of a rough, this is actually worth slightly less than a glory. If you just look at it at face value, because you are getting a glory, but it's already spent. But what this does is if you, it, it unlocks it, it gives you the chance. If you have surges, let's say, um, you know, score, if you, uh, if you gain the primacy token. So if you've already got the primacy token and then you draw into one of those surges, this is a card that will uh, let you give it away so you can earn it again and get some extra benefit on the side. Yeah, um, It'll help that rested dominance. If that's something you've got, you can make sure the other person gets it briefly and then uh, then pick it up. So mm-hmm. I uh, I like... I like what these are doing. They're, they're playing with that. Uh, and then uh, Feign Strength is, is one where 
uh, grab primacy. Uh, and there's certain cards like um, that that give you additional benefits if you are if you have primacy. Um, which can sometimes be tricky to get right. early in a round. Let's make sure you have it early in a round and can leverage those those bonuses. Also, a little bit of speculation, not really speculation, but from what we've seen of the Headcrackers mob, uh, I, he's the uh, the boss has a, an ability oh. that uh, inspires a fighter when uh, the Warband gains primacy. This is this in Headcracker, yeah, uh, is is essentially like an inspiration strikes. So. Um, yeah, which I mean, that having just a, f- a ploy to inspire is always a good thing. So this does even more than that for them. So yeah, certainly is a good, good choice. Yeah, yeah. Depending on what they have, uh, how much better they get when they inspire. We haven't I've really seen both sides of the cards or anything like that, <laughs> or all of them. Um, so I mean, if it's more right. of a uh, a hungering Skaven inspiration than not so much, but if it's, you know, <laughs> uh, if it's something else, then, then yeah, uh, a bigger deal. So, um, I, I, that's exactly what I was looking for, for primacy is ways to interact with it that are not just, uh, did you happen to be playing with primacy? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hope that these two cards are a, uh, indicator of where, primacy is going to go and then mm-hmm. like what the nuance of the game is going to be for the rest of the season mm-hmm. um i think it could get it could get pretty crazy with like the head games that you'd have to be playing uh to understand what's going to be the back and forth based on cards for the primacy token um yeah you get like a yeah. game inside a game <laughs> yeah going there, totally. which i think is always fun uh, which ones captured your attention there? Well, the one that uh, really jumped out at me first was Beast Path, and I think this might have, or Beast Trail. I should, yeah, uh, that's that's the real name. Um, you, you're just you're reaching back for a hidden path. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like... I was, I was. Uh, I I think it's funny that they they must have known how much they were like calling back to that because the art is almost the same too. It's just. <laughs> a skink on there instead of uh, Magor. But, um, but yeah, so this one is, it's essentially hidden paths. So you choose a friendly hunter or quarry. So it, at least it's not any fighter. Um, and then they have to not have a mover or charge token and be in an edge hex. So other than the hunter and quarry thing, I think it's the exact same setup as hidden paths. And then you get to then place the fighter in another edge hex on the board, and then they get a move token. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, th- I always thought having movement in the game was really great. Um, but hidden paths was always really strong. And so I think this mm-hmm. helps bring, it brings some of that movement back, but balances out a little bit. Um, I know it's so much easier to be a hunter or a quarry now that, that maybe isn't even really all that changed like maybe it's not a a major factor but i feel like it still reigns it in a little bit and gives some mobility back um especially for some of the slower war bands that just have trouble getting across the other side of the board so um Mm -hmm. i just like movement i think having more movement is always a strong choice so always love seeing that 
that's a, a positioning thing. I think this card on its own increases the likelihood that you are either taking a warband that has innate hunters and quarries or are taking upgrades to give yourself hunter and quarry. Like it's it's strong enough that you you kind of need to ask yourself that question as like like when you're on, you know, like when you're deciding on those last couple of upgrades, I'm like, oh, am I am I including uh you know, if I'm deciding between these two, should I go with savage strength instead of, you know, whatever just because becoming a hunter or uh maybe a better more apt one would be am I taking a soul tooth weapon instead of an amber bone weapon to to turn myself into a hunter just so I can unlock this gambit. Uh I think it's I think it's that strong. And I guess I uh, I mean outside of the actual mechanics of the card I I do think it's fun that they're continuing to support the hunter and quarry mechanic. I, I think we've talked a lot about primacy and what's going to happen with hun- uh, hunger. Um but it's it's nice to see that they're not just dropping hunter and quarry that that's not going to just go away or at least it doesn't feel like it's going to. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I thought that uh, an an interesting one here was uh, energy drain. Uh, mm-hmm. So choose a fighter in the same hex as an objective. Give one move token to that fighter and one hunger counter to each fighter within two hexes of that fighter. So by that language, that will also include the the fighter that's targeted. Uh, yeah. The the lesser piece of this is the hunger counter one right now although that's one to keep an eye on because uh the more effects you have like this the more pitiable death unlocks you know so you you pop this on somebody who's on an objective gives them a move token uh gives them a hunger counter so all of a sudden pitiable death has that side of the uh the the piece activated as well as quite a few so also you have a, a number of options available for yourself but that fighter can no longer move away Maybe you even have a soul tooth weapon. Uh, so now you're going to have rerolls against that fighter. Uh, and so yeah. not, now, now you've set up a, a, a target. I, you know, obviously we're setting up like a three card combo for, for something, but I, I'm just saying like, this is in that, in that realm of things. I think it's a very nicely made card because if somebody's not moving on to objectives, I, then you, then it can end up kind of festering in your hand, but we're currently operating in a meta where, yeah because everybody's worried about dominant position type effects where is, is the other person holding more? There's a lot of incentive. Even if you don't score for standing on them, there's a lot of incentive to stand on them to either deny them or to uh, keep yourself relevant in that particular race. Uh, and I think anything that is saying like, you know, here's a reason now, now you have to have to make the hard decision between do I stand on this to prevent uh, dominant defense or uh, dominant position or do I, and then put myself at risk of getting an energy drain or do I steer clear? I, I like the pressure that it puts on, uh, on somebody's decision-making processes, knowing that this, uh, might be out there. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And I like, I'm not sure I haven't looked and maybe, maybe you remember. Um, but it feels like there's been more cards that have abilities that lock you down, like by adding a move, ta- move counter, um, than there used to be um and i like that they keep trying to you know tweak that play space and that kind of control um because like like you said i mean you can do a lot by just making someone already have a move token um like 
the, I don't know, the, the possibilities are probably just about endless. So I don't know. Uh, I hope that that continues and that you see, see more of that type of control play. Um, that's, yeah, I mean, you don't it, want it to be too easy, but <laughs> right. Still it specifically, be. specifically balanced like this, where there's some defensive counterplay, you know, yeah. um, uh, transfixing stare, transfixing gaze, mm-hmm. uh, that was an extremely powerful card and there wasn't a lot of defense you could do to it because it was just, are you within two of your target? Uh, yeah. and so if they were willing to put somebody that close, but even that's, you know, that's often not all that close. Um, you couldn't, you couldn't counterplay as much on this here. You have counterplay, but you might not want to take advantage of that counterplay. You can not stand on objectives with fighters that you can't afford to gain a move token. Uh, but that, that may not be the right decision in the moment. So I, I, that's, I mean, I've already said it, but I really like, I really like that there's counterplay, but it's, it's not, it's difficult, uh, decisions involved in that counterplay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what else have you got that you are digging on? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think a lot of these are good. I think gambits are almost always good. Like it's hard. There's, you know, if you look at them long enough, you can probably come up with some uses for just about any gambits. But I, I felt like since there's only two uh, spells that I I would I would say a little bit about one of them. Um, I do think Storm of Foreboding is interesting. Um, so this is a gambit spell where you need two focus, I think, right? Lightning bolts is focus. <laughs> Am I ever going to get that right? Uh, uh- no, swirl, swirl or focus, lightning bolts or oh, channel. Man. Yep. Nope. I don't think I'm ever going to get it. But anyway, so you need two lightning bolts. So it's not super easy, um, but it's, you know, it's still doable. And then if you're playing with certain cards, like with Storm Sires, you can make that actually quite simple. Um, but if you cast it, it's just plus one dice to friendly fighters attack actions. And it persists to the end of the round. So yeah you know in theory plus one dice to all your attacks for an entire round is very strong um like i think it's it's almost hard to quantify like what that could mean (laughs) um Mm -hmm. because like any reaction attacks that you get would have that bonus any attacks that you get from gambits would get that bonus like that that could be a huge multiplier from one card um so I don't I know there's not a lot of magic being used right now, but knowing that they're like sprinkling in a little bit more here and there, like I feel like at a certain point we might hit a critical mass again where it's like, oh yeah, magic is still a thing and it's it's good. <laughs> um Yeah. So Yeah. There were some there were some objectives that we glossed over that uh mentioned casters or were magic related and uh yeah. I, I think it's I like that there's that piece where like keep an eye on this and you know it's cards like this where you're like keep a close eye on this you know, <laughs> uh, yeah this is banana town if you can if you like imagine triggering this with worm spat or you know or anyone basically that, yeah. that has somebody who can get this to go oh man you are doing some work all of a sudden yeah I mean, like Sepsimus, where who's got reach too, so he could be making a lot of attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus two dice, it's pretty spicy. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You got any more 
in the gambit no realm? there's 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 one more spell uh which hunter's aspect um it's it's not amazing it's almost most notable for the fact that it casts on a single channel so if yeah. you're trying to build a stable of i'm going to cast a bunch of uh, spells uh you know that's that's where that uh sits i think it also turns your cast room to hunter which can unlock the uh uh i don't remember it was kind of a what it's called jack of all trades master of many paths uh, where you yeah. a leader cast i remember that one yeah so um just right. just a side note but like we said there's these there's as more and more of those salt in then you start to look it, it, it'd be it's worth looking each time you get a release like have we have we gotten there yet you know try building a deck does it look good all right yep you know, so uh, yeah but no that's yeah. uh that's about it for me um how about upgrades any particularly juicy yeah. ones here for you i think i think there's some so there's some that are like very obvious standouts and i guess i can start there because it's like yep we should probably talk about it it's kind of obligatory right mm -hmm. um so i think scavenged armor might be one that's just very much going to be used uh this is an upgrade that and i think this is the first time we've ever seen this but it's an upgrade that cannot be equipped unless the fighter is in enemy territory um, uh, not but, not in your territory so no man's land actually works for i this guess one yeah well. yeah so yeah. important distinction there um but but when you do give them the upgrade they gain a guard token and it's a plus one wound upgrade so plus one wounds by itself is always good since there's like i mean there's there's a decent number of plus one wounds in the game right now but they all kind of have their own quirks of how you get them out i think this one is pretty easy to play um and it has the added benefit of giving a guard token so like you could have a fairly aggressive move but then you play this afterwards and your fighter's probably somewhat safe so mm. um i don't know i think i think that's a pretty pretty easy choice in a lot of situations if you're playing aggro which i know we keep saying that like <laughs> a lot of this is for aggro but that sort of felt like the beginning of uh dire chasm so far has been very aggro centric sure i i do like this a lot it, it makes you know a lot of times especially in that first round where you're you're trying to figure out when am i going to make that charge if you've been forced to go first in particular where uh you're going to charge or even if you if you're going second and you want to get two charges in it means that one charge that you made that puts you at risk it, it just opens up your landing spots as well as you know, I, I think it more in those terms than my defense got better. But uh, but if you are uh, a uh, a purifier figure uh, on on two dodge or something like that, then this is a great boost defensively and uh, for or for positioning. So uh, that's cool. I I can think of some decks where I'm yeah. I'm reluctant to take this. Sometimes I you know having played a fair amount of control in the past. Uh, Sometimes you just don't want to get forced forward. You want to be able to have access to, but I think it's I think it's a a great one and uh, for sure. Weird, weirdly, gives another plus wound upgrade in a in an environment where we already have quite a few of them floating around. Uh, but that's neither yeah. here nor there. Um, <laughs> for just balances out the aggro, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. 
uh, uh, let's see for me as a, as a Gigathra fan, soul tooth javelin, make, make anyone into a Gigathra also with Klee, which I yep. keep forgetting about. Like I, I keep thinking I'm going to take this double Gigathra, uh, take this card. Uh, and then I'm like, Oh yeah, also cleave. That's kind of nice. So actually I think I put this on the chosen axes list. I put together so that you could charge onto an objective and then javelin somebody uh, while you're at it. So, um, since they like being on them, but, uh, that is the first time we've seen a javelin as one of the weapon upgrades, I believe. Um, we've seen it on, on print, I, printed on cards. I believe but, that is true. So, um, uh, hooray yeah. for more javelins. Yeah. How do you, so, so I also looked at that one and I'm just curious, uh, what your thoughts are about, like, what is the value or what is the, do you have any reluctance to be using a weapon upgrade that can only be used once? With Amberbone, like, yeah, you could break it, but you had to actually hit with it. Whereas with the Javelin, if you whiff, it's just gone. Yeah, uh, I think I think certain warbands are more excited about this than others uh, because uh, this is actually pretty nice for a Reaver-ish warband where you don't expect a given fighter, <laughs> you know, like yeah. Reavers yep. or Godsworn or something like that. You're going to make that attack and then you're probably going to be dead after that. Uh, right. so this, this, uh, is nice for that, but I, I also like it, you know, let's say you were crushes and you're, you're just trying to like those dudes get a, they get a, a WA token for, uh, making an attack and this allows them to make an attack from further away. So, you know, you charge to somewhere that you want to be going whip a javelin at somebody, maybe, maybe lay some damage on them, which I guess on the downside, uh, makes it harder for you to grab the primacy counter because you pre-damaged somebody, but you know, maybe they're only too healthy and you kill them anyway. Uh, and maybe that's the wild counter you needed to inspire. All of a sudden you're inspired, you move four and you can follow up with the rest of your attacks. So I, I think a lot of, uh, I think a lot of upgrades in the game, you actually only really use once when you, when you think about it. Uh, so I don't think, I don't find that as limiting as, uh, as it appears out of the gate, uh, it has a weird thing where it makes you into hunter, but then as soon as you throw it, you forget how to be a hunter. So, uh, as a little anti synergy, <laughs> if you're, if you're like, cause I, I put this in, I was like, yeah. Oh yeah. And then, and then beast trail is like, uh, it's kind of awkward because you, you know, can't, yeah. uh, can't charge to a spot on the edge, throw it and then beast trail, um, in a later turn or whatever. Certainly is one of those interesting things though. And I mean, I guess this is a little bit of a tangent, but a lot of these temporary hunter effects, like you can get other hunter upgrades played. And then even if you lose hunter, you already have the upgrades out. So they're just there, right? I mean, you get to mm -hmm. keep the benefit anyway. So mm -hmm. sort of a an interesting way to, even if you lose, even if you know you're going to lose it, like you could still take advantage of this to gain some other nice upgrades along the way sure. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else did you like? I really like the idea and I haven't really thought through how good it is yet, but I really like the idea of the geomancers gauntlet. Mm. Um, and, and this is one where like, it's, it's just, it's so weird. Like, I don't know that anyone's going to try this, but, but so it, it upgrade that gives you an action and the action flips each feature token that's within one hex of the fighter who's wearing the gauntlet. And so 
like in theory, you're like, okay, well, you know, I can stand next to maybe more than one. I could flip them and then do like feed the beast grave. But but then you realize that <laughs> you can't normally do that. Uh, feature tokens have to be two spaces away from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with cards like um, uh, Mischievous Spirits and... Uh, uh, Restless Prize. Yeah, that's the one restless prize. I want to say shifting. And I was like, that's not right. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, if you really wanted to, I guess you could start moving the board around and then flipping stuff. And it's just kind of like, well, are we going to keep seeing flipping? Is this mechanic? Like, are they going to keep going there? Um, we know from the earlier mm. preview with the uh, leader of the Starbloods, I can't remember his name r- right now, um, but he's got a inbuilt thing on his card where once per turn he can flip a feature token within three hexes so it it's just it's another one of those mechanics where we haven't seen a lot yet but i think it's another thing to keep an eye on and i think it could be very interesting so it it caught my attention for that reason sure yeah uh it it what most interesting is it it helps unlock the potential for feed the beast grave as a as an end game strategy, right? Like, yep. Uh, I think some some people see this card and say, okay, like now there are enough tools out there to make feed the beast grave uh, something I could try for. Um, and I like I like that. I like that it basically says here's another archetype that you could go for. Um, jury may still be out on whether it's actually doable or not but Mm -hmm. um let's see what else uh for me uh i would say uh dominant defender and rod of the archmage are interesting to me they're both ways to get primacy without uh without the traditional way so dominant defender if you're on an objective you're on guard uh if you ever roll defense with no successes you lose primacy if you have it um which often you might be anyway because you might be dying um and and giving it up if you're a leader <laughs> yeah. or you're getting one shot um but also uh you can react uh and if you had a crit gain the primacy token also um notable it's after an attack action in which you're you rolled a crit so that's kind of a, a nice space to occupy yeah. as a defender especially the the after attack action uh is is a pretty useful spot to be because uh, it can shut down a number of, uh, of offensive effects. So good, good for both those. Definitely. Uh, and then uh, uh, Rod of the Archmage is kind of a, a magic one. Did you, did you finish them off with a gambit spell or spell attack? Yes. Then gain primacy. Um, so a different way to kind of. Yep. Yeah. And, and just another small piece that they're throwing out to wizards. So mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. <laughs> slowly building that arsenal of, effective choices for them um what else i think feral symbiote is an interesting one um Mm -hmm. so it's a plus one damage to range one attack actions which is usually pretty good um see that already get used a decent amount um and then the other effect is that after a fighter's activation not attacks or anything just activation in general you give them a hunger counter and if they then have three or more hunger counters, you'd have to deal them one damage. So mm. um, it's another example 
similar to was it uh feral strength they're the one where it's like you get minus one defense but plus one damage um, uh, savage strength savage yeah. strength that's it uh where they're they're giving out more ways to get bonus damage but it's not as simple as something like great strength where you just get more damage so mm-hmm. um i think that's good i think it's always nice to have that a give and take where it's not you know so easy to just say yep always gonna want this mm-hmm. um and i think the addition of having to sort of think about like what what's going on with all the hunger counters in the game is is also interesting um can i tell you my favorite part about this uh, particular card please it is one of the very rare cards that is specifically worse on one of the big boys than it is on somebody small. Because if I throw it on, uh, I don't know, let's say uh, Grawl, right? Mm-hmm. Grawl, Grawl inspires, goes up to three swords, gets an extra jam. So now it's three swords, two damage, got a two block. Grawl is never going to activate often enough in the game to have to worry about killing himself from hunger, right? Um, True. But Molog or Hrothgorn, who may be activating multiple times in any round, be it shooting or charging multiple times or charging, attacking, attacking, charging, like they they can absolutely kill themselves uh, by triggering this too often. Uh, and so that's... Uh, Certainly. We don't see very many cards that you say like, oh, uh, I would take that on anybody but a big guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely like that. Um... I guess we haven't really talked about some of the other cards that synergize with hunger right now because without more effects, they they maybe don't jump out. But there is a ploy that came in this set as well, where after a kill, you can remove hunger counters and or maybe you don't remove them, but you heal an amount equal to the hunger mm-hmm. counters that you have on you. So mm-hmm. um, if you wanted to go that route with a big fighter, you could maybe offset it a little bit, but I think you're right. Yeah. Generally, this yeah. this is better on a smaller fighter. Somebody's gonna make me eat my words there. Put it on the big <laughs> guy, and then it's a uh, macabre feast is the one you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but even the uh, uh, is it ferocious resistance? The one that's yeah. the oh man, super controversial just... one, which gets even better with hunger on it. Like maybe I'm 100 wrong, and if you have those ones in there. <laughs> then, uh, then you don't care because yeah. you're gonna do that much more healing. I guess Molog uh, with both of those and Feral <laughs> Symbiote could maybe be a problem. <laughs> I guess maybe Molog isn't crazy about it because it's range one only. Uh, but uh, oh yeah, uh, no, you're right. He he wouldn't be, but maybe Hrothgorn. Yeah, I mean that's on me because I was I was giving him as a specific example. But yeah, um, I, <laughs> I think it's at least an a, a attempt to uh, occupy that space, which is cool. Yeah. Um. Last one. Uh, one, well, two, I guess that I would want to mention, uh, one is just an aside. Uh, I don't know how to say this. Cherike, Cherike, Cherike. Who knows? <laughs> Cherike. Somebody's claws. Uh, it's weird because it's just Predator's Trinket, right? Is that the, uh, the one I'm yeah. thinking of that was, was, yeah. uh, it just gives give cleave, cleave to hunters. And then this one, this one can, well, I think Predator's was for uh quarry like became quarry oh, yeah. uh yeah. this one has a couple extra effects it just it seems like almost a duplicate but we've seen that in the past and also with rotation well 
okay, now now it makes more sense. You know, one one rotates out, the other stays in. Uh, so it's the kind of card yep. that in season one I've been like, what in the world is happening? Like, why would you do this? Uh, makes a little more sense now. <laughs> uh, and it's I feel like so much guard is in the game, like becoming becoming uh, give, giving yourself cleave is getting more and more yeah. attractive. But the one I really wanted to talk about was the Ravening Stone, um, and not so much because it gives out hunger mm-hmm. counters, although that's notable this this can manipulate hunger in a couple ways giving out hunger to everyone within two or removing one from each fighter within two uh but because it's a metalith and that's a keyword we haven't seen anywhere else we haven't seen referenced anywhere else uh and yeah i wonder if they're gonna do something cool with it i would uh, hope so yeah it's like when we first saw poisons <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, just comes right. out of nowhere <laughs> yeah like, what's right this? exactly what are they gonna do with it and then they don't do anything with it <laughs> yeah um, and this is a, this is Hopefully. a made up word. I, I, I did a search it, you know, there's somebody has called, uh, their product. There's some steel barrier for defense contractors that they call a metal. It sounds like a kind of like a HESCO barrier, uh, for folks who knows what those are. But, uh, uh, I, I would assume they're saying lith is stone and then meta is some pseudo stone. Like, I don't know, like the stone of stones. I don't know what, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know. I'm going to quit while I'm behind, but, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I have a soft spot for things that have a keyword and like, is something going to link them together? And sometimes it doesn't, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's cycles and something being a cycle doesn't actually have much of a payoff, uh, or poison. Uh, but sometimes it does, you know, sometimes, you know, like the first time you see a lost page, you're like, Ooh, Ooh, where is this headed? So maybe, maybe there's yeah, got to catch them all metalith version. So. <laughs> yeah, I hope you know. I they they keep trying the like collections of things, whatever those things might be. Um, I think it's admirable that they keep trying when they don't seem to have liked any of the ones that they've landed on, either <laughs> yeah. because they ended up being too strong or they just like. I mean, I don't know what happened with poisons. It, it felt like they had to have had something in mind with it. And then they just never really seemed to finish the idea. It was like, hey, here's this cool thought. And you're like, oh, yeah, that is cool. And then they're just like, yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like I feel like, you know, just two more objectives and all, you almost get in there. There's master poisoner right now, which is like, right. Have you used two poisons in the game? Here's one glory in an end phase. But like, if there was a surge for using a poison, if there was like a, did you use four poisons? Here's three glory. I don't know, like how crazy you get. With yeah. it, but like, it, it did feel like, oh, where's this going? Like, oh, oh no, the the road just kind of stops. This dirt road yeah. peters out. So, um, yeah. Although I guess I, we and know it felt, that they, you know, go ahead. The design cycle is pretty far in the future, so maybe, sure. oh, maybe yeah. it yeah, was like, here's the germination of this idea, sure. and we're going to pick it up next season or whatever, and then it's going to yeah. become this whole thing. Um, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, and it felt like some of those poisons were were balanced with the expectation that they are maybe slightly subpar, but if there was some extra payoff for using them, then they they hit the worth it category. But yeah. Yeah, um, that's that's what I want to say about the cars themselves. You want to talk about kind of a bigger picture of this? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess where do we start? Right. I mean, 
the I mean going forward maybe is maybe the easy part like where so where do we where do you see things as they are now and like what what do you think based on what we've seen in this release and then also in the core box like what do you think is sort of the next step Hmm. i mean some of it is that yeah some of it is the war bands we've seen it what i like i'm trying to think about these war bands in general i i thought uh just looking at the dire chasm war bands in the season i thought Mm -hmm. both uh uh, both the purifiers and the dread pageant had kind of cool in war band mechanics and, and nothing that particularly tied them to the, the new things like uh, uh, primacy or uh, hunger. Uh, there is hunter quarry in there, which they, you know, having the first unique quarry was kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the ravagers arrived with the uh, desecrate mechanic, uh, which feels like a, a mechanic that was designed it was uh, instead of ahead of its time. Maybe it's ahead of its time. I think it, it more feels like it's behind its time. You know, uh, if, <laughs> if, if it drops uh, this time in the Beast Grave meta, then it's much more impactful, I, I think. Um, uh, but we're about to see we're about to see a warband that has the ability to flip just on a card, uh, uh, just on a, a fighter card, um, uh, with the with the Seraphon. Uh, that maybe means you got a warband that has a better chance at the feed the beast grave. Uh, not sure if they actually want to do that cause it's in conflict with their inspire, but, uh, we'll see. Uh, and then we have, <laughs> we have, you know, the, like we, we'll see how this plays out, but like, like magic had the curse breakers, hunter quarry had Hrothkorn. Uh, we're about to see hunger has the vampires and primacy has head mob. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a potentially dangerous thing. It, it always, it always potentially limits a design space like magic. Magic had to be brought in, not because Elthari was abusing magic, but because, uh, because curse breakers could, and then you end up with collateral damage. So it'd be interesting to see, is there collateral yeah. damage to hunger or primacy, uh, because of war bands that can, can leverage it so strongly where all of a sudden cards that you, you might be willing to lean into the hunger mechanic with your despoilers. Um, uh, but, uh, but you can't because it's been restricted because it's too good with, uh, with the vampires or something like that. So, uh, on the one hand, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say worried. I'm, I'm a little, I'm interested to see how that plays out. But I'm excited to see other you know, other play styles kind of uh, drop into the to the meta and see what uh, what kind of what kind of warping effect it takes on the on the meta as a whole. You know, the, the arrival of one warband or mechanic can sometimes have pretty far-reaching ripple impacts, and that's that's pretty cool to see. Yeah, I would definitely agree, and I uh, I'm also very curious about like what is it going to mean where seemingly each of these warbands is like a pillar of a different game mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, I th- I think right now, I'm most interested to see what they do with the vampires just because hunger is like so underbuilt that it's like, well, we know it's a thing, but that we just like, I feel like either, 
either they're going to turn it on for themselves and everyone else is going to feel left out in the cold because they still don't really have a lot of benefit for using it or there's going to suddenly be enough cards that it's like it'll completely flip a switch and all of a sudden hunger is like this big thing that everybody has to deal with um both Mm -hmm. for scoring and for denial um but i think that could be like a huge tide shift for this meta um Mm. sure seraphon i don't i don't know I, i honestly don't know like they look like they're going to be hold objectives, which right now I think people would generally agree is probably not the strongest thing in the world. Um, although, like you mentioned, there's a lot of just incidental holding of objectives. So um, maybe they, they can sort of breathe some life back into that. Yeah. And there's just so much we don't know about all those war bands. We, we know very little about uh, even their fighter cards. Uh, like what they, if we know one side of a card, we don't know the inspired side or we know right. very few of the faction specific cards. And like you say, you know, you've got this drip feed, but uh, lately once it becomes, once their week arrives, GW will spoil the entire deck worth of cards. Uh, yeah. Which is always like kind of a, a little mini Christmas day for <laughs> everybody goes a little bit yeah. crazy for two week yeah. period while they're like trying to, process all the new information and like rewrite all the all the cards and i think i guess maybe this is a natural like turning point of where what do we you know see coming down the future as well is uh there's probably another far not too far in the future (laughs) Uh, great point yeah and uh so I mean, one, we're probably going to have a new release but then very shortly after that or maybe at the same time that it drops we would also see new restricted list. Um, I honestly, at this point, I'm not really sure what they would do um, in terms of restrictions. I, on the one hand, I would hope that they're paying attention to what people are doing online mm-hmm. because there's not a lot of in-person play. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they can see like, yeah, people, people think that maybe like uh ferocious resistance is a really strong card and maybe we should be restricting that because it's, you know, skewing towards these big fighters and people are seeing that as a problem. But then also we know from the age of Sigmar side of games workshop that they basically in the most recent, like Aretas and FAQs kind of just punted. They're like, we don't have enough mm. data, so we're just not going to try and shake things up too much because we don't know if we're going to get it, the mm. calibration right. And like, sure, I think I would yeah. respect that decision. But at the same time, I think people would be very disappointed. I think so. I mean, I think, yeah, I think there is there's certainly a segment of their player base that, that would be in a segment that's found ways to play online and such. Any other looking forward that you want to do here? I mean, at this point, I think I'd actually like to stop looking forward <laughs> almost a little <laughs> bit, right? Like the, sure. we we know multiple months worth of releases and like we've even seen models and cards for multiple months worth of releases. And I'd almost rather not know about them like in any yeah. sort of concrete way, because yeah. I think it's easier to just sort of be like, yeah, uh, there's these orcs coming and like, that's cool. And if that's yeah. all I know, I can just kind of leave it there. But now it's like, well, now I know 
that's orcs and I know what their mechanics are and like I know what one of their fighter cards are and all of a sudden you're like I want to be able to think about deck building and there's almost enough there to do so but it's so far out in the future um Hill says let me know about the present and let that present include Seraphon (laughs) yeah yeah but that OBR model looks like it's going to be sweet regardless. So, Oh yeah. Maybe just show yeah. me sculpts for a little yeah. while. That, that'd be cool. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. All right. Well, I think that does it for me. You got any last thoughts? Uh, no, I think, I think we're good. I think we're in a good spot. Um, hopefully, hopefully everything gets kind of figured out on the shipping side and we get, get back on track for releases. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and hopefully as vaccinations come, we, we move closer and closer to playing in person again because, boy, I do miss that. So Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, uh, every time I see that uh, our area of the country is, like, moved. So having, like, both being working in a medical field and having some pre-existing medical conditions, I was like, well, I think maybe I could be higher up in the list than just general populace and then i keep seeing it get bumped back further and further i'm like well <laughs> maybe i just shouldn't hope for that but <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh it'll happen and it'll be yep. good when it does so, oh man looking forward solid. to it yeah uh if you want to uh, reach out to us in between if you uh want to talk to us about some of the things that we said here uh, if you got thoughts of something you'd like to hear in the future, I think by the time we come back around, we'll uh, we should have some more information uh, about something something else. Um, and we are giving ourselves more latitude than uh, prior to the break as far as our, our scheduling. Um, so I expect the next time we talk to you, we'll be talking Seraphon, but we'll see. Um, but if you want to <laughs> chat, you can get us at WTHCast and whatthehexcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can check out all the Mortal Realms uh, content at themortalrealms.com. I was just guessing on our uh, story phase where we talked all things Slanesh with the uh, new Hedonites tome. That was pretty fun to get back in the saddle and yeah. chat stories again. Um, the uh, the podcast network has a Discord, which is quite active. We got some awesome contributors there that uh, I'm in awe of. There's, there's cool painting stuff and story discussion and... Um, I've even been spending some time in the off topic. There's, we got some uh, charming individuals there. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, our, our coming up, I've kind of mentioned it's, it's probably going to be Seraphon, but TBD, we'll see, we'll see what happens. If a, uh, if a far lands before that, maybe we talk that uh, we'll just, we'll keep our options open. Uh, you may hear us on uh, an episode of uh, battle for salvation. They're working on their annual undies. The, uh, the, prestigious yeah. awards show for warhammer underworlds um and uh we've been asked to help present uh, a category there so uh, we'll we'll let you know we'll, we'll ping something on uh, on twitter or, or uh, other other channels when that happens um yeah my i found some recommended listening there's a there's bob hadley he's this uh old uh, guitarist i think he's passed but uh just does some acoustic guitar maybe a lot of like finger picking and almost american primitive but it's uh on the trail of the questing beast this is in honor of beast trail the most exciting card in this set of universals um but uh that's what i got any last thoughts phil 
No, but All good right. pick for, for some music. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, for What the Hex, I've been Davey. And I've been Phil. I would uh, guess by the fact that you were wrapped in a blanket that you too uh, podcast from the basement. So I do. Uh... Uh, let's see. An under 30. Let's see. Um, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't think of anything. How about under 30 medalists? Because one is less than 30. Yeah. One is certainly right. under <laughs> under 30. I, I want to. I, so I haven't. I'm not going to shout it out this time. There's a guy doing a. A thing, uh, it's like path to the grand path to the GT or something, like path to the grand clash, um, which is a real mm. cool thing. Like he plays his game and then reviews him. I really like everything about the concept. I like all that. Haven't watched any. It is the extremely unfortunate yeah. name of uh, Into the Glory Hole, which I'm like. I don't even want to say oh. the name on the show. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh boy.